0: Bali was where I developed a taste for beer. (laughs) Sweet, we are recording. YTT episode take two, <laughs> yay! We love redoing things. Yes, and now we have a sick dog keeping us company here. Oh, he is poor baby. Mm. He's uh, been projectile liquid shitting, so that's fun. <laughs> that's
1: always fun. <laughs> and I'm blowing my nose here with some of Hannah's toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. It's an uh, unused toilet paper, just to be clear. <laughs> um so speaking of toilet paper my friend um a little while ago let, let's say three or four years ago she did um teacher training here in berlin with a teacher that i had found for her because i had gone to this teacher we can call her sasha um such a real name <laughs> we can call her sasha fierce i had gone to her class and thought that it was a really great yoga class and came home and googled her and found out that she was living in Berlin and that she was going to offer yoga teacher training one month intensive in Berlin which was exactly what my friend was looking for so we looked into her credentials a little bit and it looked like she had plenty of experience had done trainings before and so my friend signed up and um, the training was taking place in her apartment which was a quite nice and big apartment but It's kind of blurring the line there a little bit, I think, when you're, you know, for one month teaching a group of people in your home. And the home was dirty and oftentimes there was no toilet paper in the bathroom for the trainees. Uh, So my friend took it upon herself to go down and buy rolls of toilet paper. She also took it upon herself to walk Sasha's French bulldog, who wasn't really getting much exercise uh, while Sasha was often mostly on Instagram, rolling around on the floor and not really paying attention to what was going on in the training
0: that she was leading. For a second there, I forgot you were talking to me about a training because it sounds so <laughs> ridiculous and like so unprofessional and such like a low level of standards for a yoga teacher training, but... And- I don't know that it's such a rare example of a low standard of yoga teacher trainings, right?
1: No, but I know <clears throat> several people that were in this particular training and they were all pretty furious afterwards that they had spent money on this on this thing and not really gotten so much out of it other than a diploma and a certification by Yoga Alliance. Yeah. they were now indeed yoga teachers.
0: <laughs> it doesn't take much to get that certification, it seems. And uh, I mean, we've not been shy about saying how shit we think yoga teacher trainings are and how very many gaps there are in the yoga teacher training world and how often it's just the next step in the money-making train if you want to be quote-unquote financially successful as a yoga teacher so maybe we should take it all the way back to the beginning so victoria how did the 200-hour ytt originate do you know Well, uh, I'm not 100% sure that I have the full picture,
1: but I think at some point in the 1990s, at least in the United States where I was living then, yoga started becoming more and more popular. And um, yeah, before that, the way that somebody became a teacher was usually by showing up to a yoga class with a teacher for years until that teacher uh, would then ask you to fill in when they were away and you know They would obviously feel that you were ready to take on that task um, But yes, so yoga was becoming more and more popular and there was a shortage of teacher so at least I've understood it and um, Shivananda which is this big um, Indian organization now also tainted by sexual abuse scandals and um, they have ashrams and studios all over the world. Um, and that's where I did my uh, first yoga teacher training in 2007 in upstate New York. Um, they were also one of the first organizations that really um, popularized the 200 hour training that was usually done in one month on location in one of those their ashrams in beautiful locations. Um, and then I think, you know, it really took off and lots of other uh, bigger schools started doing this uh, program. And then, of course, smaller teachers and even gyms, et cetera, followed suit. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. And I th- that's sort of my understanding of it as well. It started off as this sort of devoted students who would then, I mean, there was just such a demand and the... Teachers versus students, like there was, they complete students completely outweighed how many teachers there were of yoga. So it became sort of almost an apprenticeship program to become certified. Or even then, was it even a certification? Probably not. But obviously, now that's what it's transformed into. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting you talk about even Shivananda having moved their trainings into beautiful, exotic parts of the world. I wonder if this is such like a huge part of the draw and what popularized the 200 hour even more. Like I know for me, my very first 200 hour was in literally beachfront in Bali in this like hut on stilts and you could hear waves crashing and ocean breeze on your face and it was beautiful. And I would be lying if I didn't say that the location and the destination was not part of the pull of why I chose that training. If yeah. not the only reason, like I did not do enough research yeah. into other aspects of that training. Yeah. I mean, in all fairness,
1: I think like um, Shivananda had ashrams in Southern India, in Kerala and in Northern India in, uh, near Rishikesh. Um, and they had this place in upstate New York. They had a place in Canada. They had a big center in Bahamas and they they were, I think, already their ashrams, you know, um, where they also offered, you know, shorter retreats and other things. So I don't really think that they went out and built these structures specifically for yoga teacher trainings, although I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Um, Also, before this 200 hour craze started, there were also, you know, training institutes like Iyengar in 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 Poon in India, where I think it's still, you know, like a waiting list probably for a couple of years to get into to train there and to become a certified Iyengar teacher is definitely a much longer process than just getting your Yoga Alliance 200 hour teaching training certificate that now somehow that that one month that it used to be done in has now become three
0: weeks. Three weeks is insane to me for the amount of knowledge that you have to absorb into your brain, especially if it's really your first taste of any kind of training experience. Three weeks is just like you can't be absorbing anything for a long term like period, because I mean, there's got to be some psychological science behind trying to like pump 200 hours into three weeks of learning and like also getting to know 30 or so other people in a training plus teachers that you may or may not often may not have previous experience with yeah the three-week thing is crazy um i do know a yoga teacher who who led a three-week 200-hour yoga teacher training and she said never again would she do it just was and she did it as a partnership with another lead teacher and even then she like her herself let alone the students was completely wiped out yeah, so, yeah yeah yeah
1: wow. and uh i think also a lot of now especially covid has accelerated this a lot of the teacher trainings have also moved online which i have mixed feelings about but i know that you have done uh another uh, teacher training o- that was mostly online or it was 100 percent online 100 percent that yeah. you're but you were still happy about
0: yes yeah, so after my first teacher training which included an anatomy teacher who was from a, uh, bodybuilding background and had never taken a yoga class in her life. I felt completely uninformed about anatomy and teaching safely. And I just felt like my previous yoga teacher training just absolutely had not hit the mark, um, which was partially my fault. And I'll get into that later, but The second one, for sure, it was with my actual teacher who I'd been doing yoga with for several years. I knew her style. I knew I loved the way that she taught. I knew she also knew her stuff um, because she'd been, number one, teaching yoga for a very long time. Number two, had spent many, many years in India absolutely researching the philosophy behind yoga and the principles of yoga. And I know this because She was, you know, in libraries with Sanskrit translators trying to like really get in there. So I knew she knew her stuff. Um, And the online program was, as you said, a result of COVID. It was meant to be a four-week Italian poolside. You know, it was meant Mm. to be the token Mm. beautiful thing. But I think part of the reason online worked was because it was spread out over a six-month period. And everything was broken down into modules and each week the modules for the week were released. And it wasn't like an entire week of anatomy, an entire week of philosophy. It was like one module of philosophy, two modules of anatomy, one module of asana, and then a few other sprinklings of things um, thrown into the mix. And that style of learning really worked for me and my schedule, number one, but also you were able to sort of absorb the information and the teachings at your own pace. Um, But I did far more research having come into that second 200 hour training. And on top of that, I'd been two years teaching, like I was out there getting actual practical experience, which I think should be part of, your 200-hour train or no maybe not your 200-hour let's not call it that but I think practical teaching experience should be part of a certification yeah and I'm not talking your 10-minute teach me how to do downward facing dog that you do at a 200-hour I mean like out there learning what it is to teach a full class and how tricky it is to manage energies bodies what people are doing which direction everyone's in trying to remember your cues also syncing up to a playlist like I think it's good to have real world experience to take into a 200 hour training.
1: Yeah. But I I think this is you know one of the biggest problems with the yoga the 200 hour yoga teacher training is that there are no prerequisites to enter into the training. No prerequisite for the most part. The prerequisite is not ever having tried yoga.
0: <laughs> no. Like for for my second training, yes there were prerequisites for my first one absolutely zero to the point that a daughter and mother team came in together and it was the mother's second ever yoga class was this 200 hour yoga teacher training which i mean yeah that mother
1: you know in all fairness that mother probably didn't go out to teach afterwards she might have been doing this for herself you know as a deepening or as an experience or as a bonding experience with her daughter even and i think a lot of people that do the 200 hour yoga teacher training they never they're never going to teach and their intention might not be to teach but a shitload of people that do them they're intending to teach and they do they unleash themselves upon the world shortly after this 200 hour crash course of whatever is in there
0: I think that's its own question though, because I wonder why so many people feel compelled to do a 200 hour yoga teacher training to broaden their understanding of yoga. Because shouldn't a yoga teacher training teach you how to teach yoga? And shouldn't your yoga teacher be teaching you yoga? Does that have you followed me so far? Yes, I have. I have
1: followed. Have you listeners followed? Um, I I totally agree, and I think for this problem, well, in Berlin we have you know platform fitness app, platform capitalism fitness apps that we might do a whole episode on. Let's see um that you know have partially you know commodified made yoga just like a manicure or pedicure or something to tick off your list and you're bouncing from studio to studio from teacher to teacher so it's like you know this is like this uh shit going around and around so the teachers that come out on the market from these 200 hour teacher trainings they're unqualified to teach yoga and so then people who come to yoga classes They're not really learning yoga and they go to a teacher training to to learn about (laughs) it. And then, you know, um, I think that also like the kind of emergence of the dropping class uh, was also something that kind of destroyed, you know, really actually learning yoga. You know, I mean, if you were to like learn to play the piano, you would probably sign up for a course, you know, yeah. With a teacher, you would like spend a semester or 10 weeks or something learning and having homework and like, you know, progressively learning things. And yet now when people start yoga, they might, you know, buy a 10 class card or get a membership in one of those fitness apps and start bouncing around from studio to studio, from teacher to teacher. No wonder you're not really learning.
0: Yeah, completely. And it's funny because in Australia, where we're a little behind the times... They are still, um, and it's a good thing in this case, they are still sort of, there are many studios who sell out the term. So you sign up for the term and it's the same as a school year term because obviously Mm. moms are doing school pick-off, whatever. Um, I call it semester, she calls it term. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you like, because there's four terms in two semesters, right? Okay. I don't know. (laughs) But there are usually four – in Australia, there's a four-term year. And, yeah, and you you purchase a term. And, Mm -hmm. like, I guess the incentive then is that you've paid for this period of time. And if if you don't come during that period of time, you lose your money. So, yeah, they still are kind of – well, a lot of studios there are still doing it this way. And I realize now that sounds really old school, but it is such an absolutely fantastic way to – number one, like build community. So yeah. you have the same people in yeah. your class, you know your teacher really well. Number two, you understand your teacher's cues. And I think there's something in that when you get to know how your teacher is delivering the messaging to you, you, just, you get to forget about it and you get to really be in your own practice more. So there are so many more benefits to that. And like you said, that's I mean, now, here in Berlin, that is completely dismantled. I don't know anyone who does semesters yeah. <laughs> of yoga. Or, or <laughs> yeah,
1: or even courses so much. Yeah, no. Um, so, tell me, so let's go back to your first yoga teacher training, because before that you hadn't been teaching, right? No. So... The first yoga teaching teacher training was really what kind of started you on teaching and you knew you wanted to teach. And can you like briefly summarize for the listeners what you learned in this, in this teacher training?
0: What I learned in this teacher training? In is, the first one. Yeah, yeah, is that I had to put more faith in my abilities. So the reason I chose this shitty teacher training was because I thought I was underqualified to have done a teacher training with prerequisites. I couldn't, for example, do a handstand, all the things that you think are relevant mm-hmm. before you do a teacher training. Um, so I learned a lot about myself and my perfectionist nature, which means I usually take the easy road and therefore I am not challenged enough. Mm-hmm. And it was this vicious cycle. Um, other than that, we learnt we did loads and loads of workshops on your very basic, um, poses let's say the entire sun salutation sequence broken down into its individual parts and there were of course benefits to doing this kind of thing but mm-hmm. as someone who'd been practicing for 10 years already i was like let's move it along like mm-hmm. you know it just was too basic
1: but do you feel like it was at least good information
0: that you got it was okay information mm-hmm. they were very hatha mm-hmm. um based so Everything that they taught us was if you had an absolute pure beginner come into your class, this Mm -hmm. is how you would teach that Mm -hmm. person how to do yoga. And there are really good – and I think there was a lot in that that I have, upon reflection, learnt from Mm -hmm. and have taken with me. But I think what I needed – I sort of already knew the poses and I knew how to instruct Mm -hmm. them because I'd been doing yoga for so long with so many different teachers (laughs) that – I didn't really need the cueing and I didn't need to know so much about how the pose had to look and feel. I wanted to know like anatomically what was behind it and what mm. muscles were working. That mm. was the stuff I was super interested in. Mm. So I think that's where for me, I was like, oh, my anatomy teacher is terrible. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was a big gap for me. I will say our philosophy teacher was good, but we didn't have any prerequisite reading material that had anything to do with yogic scripture or philosophy. So our only reading um, prerequisite was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, mm-hmm. um, which is a great book. Yeah. And, and I think relevant also
1: for, for yoga, yes. even though it's not like a yogic text per se. But... Right.
0: And it was. And I remember reading it at the time and going, I know I'm going to love this training because mm-hmm. I love this book. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was getting really excited, but we didn't, like even open the sutras or the bhagavad gita at any point in the first 200 mm. hour and i see now having done a second one after having like mm. found these books myself mm. how much of a huge fail that was mm. in the system as mm. well but we did go over yogic philosophy we did a lot of this purusha and you know pra- prakriti. yeah all that kind of breakdown the philosophy teacher was had deep roots in tantra so Mm -hmm. we delved into that quite a bit which was super interesting but the way that that training was structured it was a week intensive of philosophy and then a week intensive of asana a week intensive of anatomy and then a week of pulling it all together so and i didn't that's not a structure that works for me and it's
1: also yeah again insane to think that you can learn such a big field in four weeks. I mean, you know, yoga is like, you know, has roots dating back probably at least two and a half thousand years. And I'm not talking at all about asana right now, but I'm talking about, you know, philosophy and certain breathing techniques and meditations and just, you know, kind of, I don't know, metaphysical questions and ideas about the universe and how it came about this is there's so much so many texts so much material and then on top of that we have what's most people in our part of the world think of yoga which is the poses the structures and you know and then on top of that there's all these things like how how do you want teach like what is an effective good way of teaching how do you deal with people what is the business of yoga how can you then once you are a yoga teacher, how can you make a living? There's so much that, you know, yeah, that needs to be, to be, or, sh- or should be included, or is knowledge that is really crucial to have. And yeah. how to think that that can be taught in four weeks or now three weeks is just absurd.
0: It's almost like there needs to be a yoga teacher training and then a yoga training. Like, they almost seem like separate things. One, you need to learn how to, be a yoga teacher which i think includes like sequencing these kinds of things business insurance like all your nitty-gritty mm-hmm. kind yeah, of yeah. how this is a profession it, <clears throat> and then yoga in itself yeah we all as we both know it's a lifelong learning you're yeah. never going to learn that but i mean yoga could be its own intensive incredible course where you can yeah. you know deep dive into things but these two things, unless they're merged together really well in a training structure that isn't... It can't be four weeks. Like, that's just never going to work. There, Like you said, there's just so much to go through, and it's... The 200-hour is just a... It's not the right system to become a, quote-unquote, good yoga teacher.
1: No, (laughs) no. And I think that, yeah, in my Shivananda teacher training, they have a very set you know structure their their class is always the same then maybe with a few variations like you know it's same sun salutations and I don't I never I don't practice shivananda it's been so long right. that I can barely remember the structure but they have a particular sun salutation a particular chant actually I think the class yeah starts with you know like 15 minutes of breathing exercises so it follows you know set structure and I guess for somebody who's a beginner teacher and just wants to learn to kind of lead, lead the yoga class, because mm. that's actually what I think that a lot of people that you encounter now as teachers, they are not teaching a class, they're leading a class. And mm. I think that's a huge difference. But anyway, I think structures like traditions that have structures as far, far as like what what the class looks like, it's of course going to be easier to follow. So we had to, you know, kind of learn this structure um, and I think for us, it wasn't like yours. There was one week this, one week that. It was more like ev- this time of the day, we have philosophy. This time every day, we have anatomy. This time of the day, we have asana practice. And this time of the day, we might be looking at specific poses with people,
0: mm-hmm. with
1: with teachers. Um, and yeah, I mean, I back then, I had the feeling that it was in a way, a well-rounded training, because there was definitely a lot of philosophy. Mm-hmm. I, I think all the anatomy, like I was too tired to really take it all in, <laughs> and I, I can't even, you know, say now, you know, it's also so long ago that whether the teacher was really good or not. I think I did like him, people generally liked him. Um, yeah, we didn't, for example, in in the um, Shivananda tradition, like, the Yoga Sutras is not a text that's even read. We we spent we read Bhagavad Gita, you know, very very carefully and analyzed it, and you know, but Yoga Sutras were not even part of the training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know, I understand that can be different from different traditions. But maybe in some other schools, I also heard that they don't use the Yoga Sutras. But they might instead be looking at the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many texts. So I think like if you're really going to make a living as a yoga teacher or be serious about being a yoga teacher, I think you should probably know all of them, you yeah. know, the, the big
0: kind of iconic texts. Yeah. I will say for one of my teachers in the first 200 hour, she um, she taught asana, but with a huge focus on who the poses were named after in the Hindu tradition and everyone always loved her classes Mm -hmm. because she just like gave you this, it was like yoga and storytelling. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge, huge highlight from the training to the point she has developed that now as its own course, which I think would be a great add on for a lot of yoga teachers to have this. And I think we were sort of lucky to have been training with that teacher. It was the kind of yoga school that, I think they churned and burned quite a few teachers yeah. over the year. Like maybe in the same year, they would have the same roughly yeah. teachers. But from what I understood, everyone that went there had a different philosophy teacher, a different anatomy teacher, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, but what do we think is
1: important? What should a yoga teacher training include? Like, what is absolutely crucial? I would say the first thing I would say to that is prerequisites. (laughs) Yes. The first thing should be prerequisites. You should be, to enter yoga teacher training, you should have, you know, you should have been practiced yoga seriously and documented that in some way. Um, Yeah, that's for me like the number one.
0: Yeah, and I would 100% agree with that too because there's too much to grasp for you to have a completely clean slate of this practice. Yeah. So I agree. A hundred percent prerequisites. Now this next word I'm going to say wrong because we Googled it just before we started <laughs> pedagogy. Yes. Pedagogy. I think so. On Google, it was like pedagogy, <laughs> <laughs> but I think he had an Italian accent, um, which is the art of teaching, teaching yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, And like I said, having done that in my second 200 hour, I realize now how relevant that is to bring into a yoga teacher training, because some people might be really good at pulling together a class. They're really good at sequencing. They know their stuff. They know their yoga philosophy And they might have a really great practice themselves. But if they can't convey that, if they have a very Mm. low voice or they mumble or they have no projection or they're just boring.
1: Or they're afraid to look people in the eye. Right. Or they're looking people too long in the eye, which is creepy and cult leader like.
0: (laughs) Or they use really fluffy language. Or I think there's just a lot that can go wrong if you don't have the confidence or the skill set to actually instruct a class and I think that goes for any teacher like teachers should learn how to teach yeah absolutely yeah that has been a huge uh one for me I think as well
1: yeah what else well um before we were rolling we talked about you know that it's important to be able to yeah find the balance like okay even if we're gonna be teaching mostly a physical yoga class or an asana class maybe some breathing exercises maybe some meditation that we also need to to find a way to to bring what is truly yoga into these postures and that's again you know for me like going out taking random classes in berlin which i did a few years ago, where where I found it was mostly lacking. There was like yeah. very few teachers that knew how to do that. And I think that that is, you know, otherwise you could just be teaching, you could become an aerobics teacher. I mean, if you're not interested in bringing in what's yoga to the yoga.
0: Yeah, completely. And I think that if you were running a teacher training, you could super tie that in with your philosophy and classes about, like, who the poses are named after, etc. It's it's, like, such a way to tie this into your theming of your classes and saying, like, so today we're talking about, I don't know, the koshas and, like, how – and then ex- giving examples to future teachers of you could run a class with, you know, this as your theme subject or this is how you could thread this into a mm-hmm. sequence or whatever. Yeah. Like, the way that you – pull together a class I mean all that can be tied into the um, philosophical teachings as well so there are totally ways to like bind all of these teachings together into leading or teaching as you say a group yeah and I also think that you know I mean
1: I think that you it's possible to teach a great yoga class without mentioning the koshas or the chakras, which none of us we think we think chakras is, is bull crap. So we certainly don't lead any chakra cleansing uh, classes. No. But yeah, but I think it's possible to to lead a yoga class and never talk about like who Hanuman was, who gave the name to Hanumanasana, or to talk about the koshas, or to talk about Purusham Prakriti, or anything. And I think you know you can teach a great yoga class simply by you know, guiding people into the somatic experience of being in a body, having a body or getting to see all the crap that is like floating around in your mind uh, or getting to still the mind through breathing, through movement. So I think it's also possible to do all of that without, you know, even using the lingo and it would still be yoga in in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And I'm like myself and I know that you are similar are no None of our two classes are ever the same. There's always, there's so many topics to pull from. Yeah. And like you said, there are classes where you just want to shut the fuck up and let people experience this, the asana in their bodies, experience their breath to get to that hopefully meditative space at the end where you can just be still and you know be for a second but then on top of that maybe another week you do have a theme or you do want to sprinkle a little bit of Hanuman or whoever yeah. into your classes and I think it's having like all these tools in your toolkit to pull from yeah. to you know grow not only your yoga student community because i think if your classes remain interesting and different you are going to pull more students but also this is good stuff for potential workshops in the future retreats like going back to being a yoga teacher and if that is your profession your business you need to have like things to be able to sell <clears throat> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There goes yes. that word yeah. again. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, and then that leading into a yoga teacher training, they have to dabble in some kind of business talk at some point. Like I, I think that, like I've said before, yoga teacher trainings should be for people wanting to be yoga teachers, yeah. not for yoga students trying to deepen their practice.
1: Yeah. Maybe they should be two different things. And I think the yoga teacher trainings for people wanting to be yoga teachers probably need to be a lot a lot longer than 200 hours but we'll get to that when we'll talk about how to improve the the yoga teachers out there so anything else i know you you were keen to talk about your uh, cultural appropriation or how to address that in in a ytt
0: right I mean, I guess just as critical race theory is, you know, starting to be taught in American schools and should have been taught many years ago, Mm -hmm. I think cultural appropriation is now starting to be taught in yoga teacher trainings, where it probably should have been previously as well, but no point trying to change the past. But I think there is in our current world, there are pathways that some people might be a little scared to drive down and they're not sure what they're allowed to say and can i should i use sanskrit to honor the traditions or am i being an asshole from using sanskrit it's like and i think there should be i think there needs to be open and honest conversations around cultural appropriation and i think there's a lot to learn in that like i would have loved you know to be told or to be guided into, should I say namaste? Like we were having this conversation. Like, should I say namaste at the end of class for years? I still (laughs) have it in my closet. I have a t-shirt that says namaste bitches. And like, Come at me! I know that that's inappropriate, but but for me and like my personality, I'm like this is exactly me. I say namaste, but I'm also a bitch.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I have a kali tattoo, and I know that that's also questionable. Like uh, lots of, you know, uh, real Hindus, and I'm not—I don't identify as a Hindu, but I think kali is so badass. I thought so way before i was a yoga teacher i mean she has a necklace of skulls and a skirt made out of knives i mean what isn't there to like about her and her,
0: her? orgasm saved the world yeah. <laughs>
1: so um yeah but i know that a lot of hindus have you know felt offended by western people having tattoos of ganesh and kali and shiva and whoever else so Yeah, I I don't know. And I, I think these are definitely something that should be talked about in yoga teacher trainings.
0: Yeah, completely. And then I think the final thing is, or at least for me, is enough of an understanding of anatomy to know that you're never going to understand anatomy. So therefore, don't tell people to like infinite like crazy tiny degrees where their feet and hands and fingers should go because if you really know your shit with anatomy you know that you know nothing exactly
1: and also don't stop trying to you know when people come in with their weird pain in their pinky toe yeah. or their weird pain just behind the right eyebrow <laughs> don't try to diagnose them no. you know just say go to doctor or go yeah. to an osteopath or a physiotherapist i'm a yoga teacher I have only done a 200-hour teacher training in three weeks at Bali, and I drank, you know, like daiquiris most evenings. So I actually am <laughs> not, up? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> equipped to to answer that question. Uh. Yeah. So we we talked about that the business of teaching yoga um, is something that also should be talked about in the um, in the yoga teacher training and it's maybe not talked about that often how to actually make a living once you're done with this training and you want to go out into the world and do this Mm -hmm. and um, I recently became aware of this uh, big very successful yoga studio here in Berlin called we can call it juice yoga that have very very expensive um, yoga teacher trainings and but having gone through one of those isn't enough um, to in order to teach there you also have to do a mentorship program which you know granted can be a really good way of of course becoming a better teacher now, at Juice Yoga, those... Um, juice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those uh, uh, Fruit juice or steroid juice? <laughs> I, a mix. Both. Okay. Fruit juice with steroids. Okay. In it. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so at Juice Yoga, one of those mentorship programs run 10000 10, And then after you have paid this almost 20000 um, and you can then start teaching there, the base rate that this yoga studio pays, this very successful yoga studio pays, their newbie teachers is 35 euros for up to 15 students. And then beyond that, that, you get 150 per student. So you can, you know, yourself calculate how long, that how many classes you have to teach in order to pay back the almost 20,000 that you've invested in the teacher training plus the mentorship. And this whole thing is also part of the yoga teacher training problem that YTTs is a huge money-making machine for studios and for teachers
0: yeah absolutely and really to guide or lead a YTT you just need to put together a curriculum and send it to yoga alliance for them to tick a box for you yeah And let's be honest, whose box does not get ticked because it's more money for Yoga Alliance. They're not going to reject you. Um, So then, yeah, it's like literally anyone can do it. Charge, I mean, the one you're talking about is extraordinarily expensive. I would say on the low spectrum is around the 2,000 Yeah, that's a very
1: low spectrum. Right. Very low. I don't know of anyone, any that costs that these days.
0: I would grab, I'd get that number from all the trainings that went online in 2020. Oh, that was like, about
1: 2,000? That was around or... the
0: 2,000 mark because I think in the immediate kind of reaction to the pandemic, people were like, okay, we're not paying for accommodation and food, so we can really cut this price way down. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I think um, – let's talk another cactus yoga instructor mm-hmm. who – went online and I think is still charging like the 6,000 euro mark. So I think that like early 2000 kind of euro price was for initial reaction to pandemic. I will say my Bali one was also 2000. It was hella cheap. Um, this was including food and accommodation? No, but you, I mean, you get what you pay for, yeah. don't you?
1: Yeah. Or well, like I, I recently had a friend that went away to... To Spain to do a teacher training at Banana Yoga, we can call it, and uh, <laughs> that training was uh, just last year, I believe, was four thousand euros plus food and accommodation. So I don't know. I would think like, yeah, if it's not online, I would say that probably like more like three, three to four thousand is as low as it gets, and yeah. then up to ten thousand, or if you want to do it. Bikram yoga teacher, why the hell now anyone would want to do no. uh, teacher training with a rapist, a uh, serial rapist? Uh, uh, but yeah, people do. And I think that training is like, you know, 20 or 25,000.
0: I find it phenomenal that anyone <laughs> is still doing yeah, Bikram I,
1: I don't know. It's just, that's just another. Yeah, we're off on a tangent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are. Okay, um, so
0: this training for juice yoga. Is almost 20k, but the return on the actual student that paid for it in the studio that they were promised a job yeah. is 35 euro up to 15 students. Which let's be honest, 15 is like that's if you're getting 15 in your class in the moment, current conditions, it's a good class. Exactly with this, with the pandemic raging at the time of recording. Yeah, and then 150 on top of that for additional yeah. butts in your yeah. Yeah. in your seats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's insane. It actually makes me so angry that... I don't know, listeners, and I don't know why I'm talking at the screen. Like, there's actually people here. (laughs) But I would maybe like to come back to just talk about these people that run studios and make so much money and then exploit their teachers. Because that makes me so fucking angry. And
0: that's probably why there isn't a business proponent in these trainings. Because if people don't learn about what their value is then these people running the trainings can continue exploiting them for ridiculously small amounts of money. Yeah. I mean that's wild. And I mean I know of another yoga training school here in Berlin. We'll call them I don't know Strawberry Yoga. Yeah. <laughs> Fruit salad thing. Yeah. And they part of the training for them which again is in theory a good concept is that you teach their evening of course classes every week for a year but you don't get paid to teach the primo 6 p.m slot your the students coming in are of course paying. paying so the studio slash yoga teacher training center are cashing in on a free teacher and calling it part of their and the training is probably not for experience. free, though. No, absolutely, no. it is not. It's just a. It's a requirement as part of mm. this specific yeah. training.
1: Because you could say that maybe back in the day, with I don't know exactly how it worked. I, I never did that, but you know, the way we talked about more of this kind of mentorship uh, model, you could say that you know, uh, let's say I run a, a, a yoga studio and I want you to to train there and if i would give you the training in exchange for teaching the prime yoga classes for free maybe that would be a fair exchange but not if you're paying and then and then not getting paid for teaching yeah that's bullshit
0: and not getting paid for teaching in their like prime slot so they would be making so much money off of you like i would understand it for like a lunchtime or something Mm -hmm. and actually if i was a brand new teacher and i was learning i think i would want to be teaching a lunch to like a smaller yeah. group of people versus you know 20 odd people mm-hmm. yeah it's it's wild the exploitation that happens as part of these yoga teacher training conglomerates or pyramid all, schemes yeah absolutely they are they are mlms and they're just again holding up this little veil of yoga that makes them look all Mm -hmm. happy and lovely but they are not they're They're... just like
1: ruthless business people yeah um it's it's very sad very sad no now then let's let's end on a positive note what can we do you know we so we've concluded that ytt's are problematic uh, for many reasons um
0: but how could we improve the system okay so let's go through a bit of a list i think the original system is has merit this apprenticeship sort of system and i think this comes back to your point of prerequisites as in if you have a yoga teacher that you want to do a training with or yoga a school of yoga that you want to do a training with you should have been going to this studio or teacher for an extended period of time Almost as like a semi apprenticeship leading up to you know being taught by your master or I hate that word but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like c- bring back the apprenticeship yoga training, or again another point we've already brought up is the, a mentorship as a as a pre Would that be a prerequisite or an (laughs) after-requisite? (laughs) Post-requisite. Yeah, Yeah, I think
1: that probably makes more sense after somebody has some training. Yes, right.
0: I think the mentorship is absolutely necessary for for teachers that are starting out.
1: Yeah, but then also, I mean, as somebody who has dabbled a bit in mentorship, um, I also think that it's really important not to make those exploitative as well. And then I guess there's also like the fact that yoga teacher is not a protected title. So like I could not hang up a sign on my door saying that I'm a lawyer or I'm a physiotherapist or I'm a psychologist. Um, Those are protected titles. But yoga teacher, anyone, you know can hang up a sign or start a website or they don't even need the Yoga Alliance 200-hour teacher training certificate. Do you hear that?
0: That's completely (laughs) useless.
1: Uh, You can just, you know, call yourself a yoga teacher and also in all likelihood, probably not that many studios that hire you after your teacher training will look at that little useless piece of paper anyway. But it's not a protected title. And maybe if we made it a protected title, uh, yoga would be more valued and we'd have better teachers and teachings. And I know that, you know, old school and quite old at this point, teacher Judith Hansen-Lasseter, she had this suggestion, I I heard it when she was interviewed in a podcast, where she said that she thinks to become a yoga teacher, uh, the kind of 200-hour level now, like so beginner yoga teacher, that should be like a bachelor degree um and to be an advanced yoga teacher training or the kind of 500 hour training that should be a master's degree and i think she's on to something if we're thinking 3 or 4 years of university studying yoga and the art of teaching now we're maybe talking like coming a little bit closer to the kind of 10,000 hours that it takes to be really good at something
0: yeah i totally agree i mean the philosophy alone like It takes theologians, you know, years and years to dive into this kind of stuff. And, you know, we do like a couple of modules in one week of a four-week vacation with Mm -hmm. work. And then also this bachelor masters or whatever you would call it, like however it would be framed, would give yoga this this actual, what is the word you said before, this protected title. Because as much as a yoga alliance exists to somewhat protect yoga industry i mean it's a joke it's a joke i mean there's so much weirdness around the yoga alliance i myself am not a member of the alliance Neither am i no i never have been um i could be because both of the trainings i've taken are your yoga, mm. yoga alliance certified yeah. um as far as i know the best they do is like a decent discount at lululemon <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not it's I I think last time we spoke about this you said the one thing that they do do correctly is if you are a member of the alliance that you are required to continue training or adding training yeah. to your um your certification yeah. to with like to hold that title of yeah. alliance certified and I agree that that is something that is part of this better solution yeah. to yoga teachers yeah. is to absolutely continue continue learning and building your skills yeah I mean I think that
1: pretty much any yoga teacher any and every yoga teacher I personally know they do that they continue to learn they take courses they develop um so I think that you know if you really get serious about this you'll you will probably do that you know
0: yeah I agree I think I think it is a yoga teacher tendency to continue doing courses and courses and courses But I also wonder, like, not that I disagree with doing that, but I feel like a lot of yoga teachers do that because they never quite form the confidence to charge real money for their work. So it's like only after they've added this title and this title and this title, you know, do they feel that people could take them seriously enough to charge an appropriate amount for the work that they do. Yeah,
1: but it might also be, they might also not feel confident because they're, 200-hour, three-week teacher training was shit and didn't even give them the tools to teach. Yeah, exactly. Or, the, or, a, or a, anything but a shallow understanding of like key yogic concepts. Because, yeah, that's what I feel like when, you know, when I do go to a class and, you know, a teacher starts to talk about the yamas and the niyamas or, uh, I don't know, pratyahara or the koshas. It's It feels very superficial like right often of course not everyone and yeah that's probably also how I was you know like 14 years ago coming out of the teacher training
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly but I think like in conclusion it is that if the yoga teacher trainings were done at a higher standard a higher level and you know really hit these key concepts then yoga students who would like to deepen their practice would get that from their yoga teachers and therefore wouldn't have to do their own yoga teacher training and be one of the, let's be honest, majority of people that put up or leave their hands down when the teacher goes, who wants to be a yoga teacher after this training? Like I'm always one of like three or four people. Yeah. I don't know what you've, what your experience for that has been like.
1: Oh yeah. But I think that a lot of people, are also like, they enter into yoga teacher training saying that they don't want to teach, but in reality, they want to teach, but they're too like, I don't know, like this kind of like false modesty. They don't really want to say it in case it doesn't work out. That's kind of my experience. But I also, yeah, think that a lot of people have no intention to teach, but I think a lot more people that have the intention to teach than say that they do. Yeah. So Yeah. And I think that also if we we had this like more serious kind of university system for becoming a yoga teacher, then maybe we could also put a cap on how much a training could cost, how much could be charged so that people aren't exploited going into that. Or maybe you could even take student loans to cover the the tuition. I I don't know.
0: Yeah, because I mean, really, in reality, my cheaper $2,000 training versus someone's $20,000 training at the end of the day, we could both apply for the exact same job and get paid the exact same amount. Exactly.
1: But, you know, thinking about, you know, that probably most people that go to, to yoga teacher trainings are, you know, they're not poor people. No. You know, especially not these, you know, extravagantly expensive ones like juice yoga. So then we're also having, you know, teachers that all come from, you know, similar... Socioeconomic background, let's say,
0: yes, absolutely. And I mean, most of these things are on islands somewhere, so it's also the cost of your airfare. And if your training doesn't include food and accommodation, that's an additional cost. So, yeah, these numbers creep up, and you're completely correct. They are, I mean, people in a lower socioeconomic circumstance are not going to have the same access to be able to do this profession but let's be honest they're gonna stay in a lower socioeconomic position as a yoga teacher anyway yeah exactly so there you have it <laughs> you're fucked if you do you're fucked if you don't yeah
1: and uh yeah on that note maybe we'll end it here since we have a dinner date yes we do I can't wait <laughs> vegan Japanese food <laughs> all right